0: Welcome to something new at the Tennis with an Accent podcast. This is your co-host, Matt Zemek. Um, we're gonna just do some bite-sized quick podcasts uh, on some, multiple occasions during the Australian opening. And this is not like a 45-minute or one-hour or 90-minute feature-length podcast that we put out once a week. We're just gonna try and do some 15-20-minute nuggets uh, on multiple days throughout the fortnight. Just continue to give you some small tastes of What the stories are, what we're talking about, what we're interested in. Um, Maybe later in the tournament, we might do some uh, Twitter mailbags and just answer some questions. So just trying something new here at Tennis with an Accent, and I'm joined by Saqib Ali.
1: Hi, Saqib. Hey, Matt. Uh, Sorry, I couldn't attend the pre-tournament podcast that we had planned, but I guess you guys packed a punch, and it was a very informative episode, so... So what do you have in mind? I know you gave an outline. You did something similar, but not this uh, of this nature uh, for 2018 Roland Garros, but this is going to be more like a short podcast. Uh, so I can start if you if you don't mind. I mean, you wrote a great piece sure. on fees and COVID-19. And um, I remember someone saying this, I think it's Paul Anacon or someone was talking about it on Tennis Channel. And I think you hit the nail right on the nose there because – Monfils was looking really, really solid when that season got interrupted due to the pandemic. It arguably was his best ever start. He had won two tournaments, played a great match against Djokovic in Dubai, made the Australian quarters. And uh, he himself said, I think in some interview, again, I don't have the exact quote, that he was really thinking, you know, he could be contending for a major. And then the pandemic happens. Everybody dealt with it difficult uh, and, you know, this unprecedented year in a different manner. And now he hasn't won a match. He's on a five or six match losing streak. I tweeted about that. You wrote an article. So what triggered that article and why was that moment important for you?
0: Well, the main thing is that we're living in a pandemic and, you know, even though um, the players have had more time to prepare for this Australian open than they did for the U S open and Roland Garros last summer and fall. Um, it's still pandemic tennis, you know, it's like, so, you know, we didn't know last July if there was going to be a U.S. Open. Uh, it was a much less certain situation, but, you know, the, we were able to make it through those two majors in September and October. Um, you know, so, but even with the added amount of time and preparation, you know, it was known for a while that the Australian Open would take place. It would be pushed back a little bit. You know so there's been more advanced time, there's been more of a sense of okay, this is going to happen uh compared to the twenty twenty u s open and French opens and yet even then it's we're still in a pandemic, you know it's this the it's not as though we're playing tennis in front of packed houses. there are some fans, which is really good, but uh it's still not the full experience, and we're also dealing with the reality that some players had a hard lockdown to deal with when they really couldn't get out to the practice courts for a few weeks. Angeli Kerber uh, went through that uh, before her loss to Bernarda Pera. So, you know, there are still lots of examples of the pandemic uh, affecting players' games. And if players' games are being affected, we have to multiply that uh, tenfold for players' emotions. And even though these are, in many cases, millionaire athletes, you know, people in the top 20, 30 uh, or so, uh, even though they, you know these, these athletes have a lot, a lot of money at the top of the sport, um, you know, they're still human beings. They're still workers. They, are, they have had their lives limited by the pandemic just as much as we have. I mean, even, you know, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal. Roger Federer, Serena Williams. I mean, yes, they do have more resources uh, than uh, you're an average person or even like a number 150 tennis player. But they've still had to be limited in terms of what they can do. So just imagine then, as we bring the focus to my piece, you know, Gal Monfils said, you know, he's living through a nightmare. And, you know, it's it's focused on his tennis game, but um you know he he was he was broken in that moment he was a broken person he was expressing great sadness uh and a deeper kind of frustration than what we normally see from tennis players and from professional athletes and so uh if any this is this is not to trivialize what was said is that oh you know he made a an explosive comment no i mean it it's exactly the opposite it's to say Wow, you know, that's a profound outpouring of emotion. He's really going through a tough time. He's feeling the weight, the burden of what he's going through. And so the point of my piece was, hey, you know, let's have let's be sure to have empathy. And I'm I, and you know, I'm sure that uh, like 80, 85, 90% of all tennis fans are right there. They're in that mindset of, yes, we should empathize for guile and and what he's going through, but there's a small slice. I saw some comments on Twitter. It's part of what motivated me to write about the piece. Who said, "Hey, he's talking about a nightmare. Hey, he's a professional athlete. He's just got a you know a fifty-five thousand dollar check for losing in the first round. He's doing okay. Who is he to say it's a nightmare? You know, you are, you'll always have a few people in a crowd who will parse a press conference statement or a reaction. It happens all the time. And so I'm speaking to that small sliver of people." Who might you know pick apart a professional athlete's reaction to something in a pandemic you know that th- there's that natural understandable inclination to tut tut and wave the finger and scold and lecture an athlete if a if a word or a phrase doesn't come out right Guy Ga- Ga- Monfils also said in addition to the fact that he was the, the fact he also said that in, in addition to he felt he was living through a nightmare, he also said at one point, don't criticize me." Now, when an athlete says, don't criticize me, you know, in a nor- quote-unquote normal context, that might come across as whining, you know, not being willing to display accountability. But we're not in a normal time. We're in a pandemic time. And so th- this is just a, a reminder as we start this Australian Open soccer that we should have not just empathy for Gael Monfils and other tennis players, especially when they uh, display raw emotions and and use words that you know, maybe to a few people might not seem appropriate, we should give them that space. So it's not just the empathy, but really giving them more space, giving them a wider berth, being very accepting, very tolerant of what happens. We're going to see more emotional spillages from various players, not just at this Australian Open, but as long as the pandemic continues and and people in various countries can't have that full reconnection with other human beings. You know, we are all waiting for that moment when we can hug Every person in the whatever room we are, we're all waiting for that. We're all craving human touch. Um, and until then, th- these emotional uh, limitations imposed on us—you know, none of us want this—but uh, you know, it's all for public health and safety. You know, there's going to be emotional upheaval. I mean, I felt it a little bit, um, and I'm sure that you know millions of people around the world have felt to some degree. After 11 months, Saqib, in this pandemic, uh, the, the emotional toll uh, of having to um, have a confined life without things that we had, you know, reasonably taken for granted, uh, you know, and assumed would be always be part of our lives. So it's not just the, the empathy for Gaman Feast, though that is, you know, the main point. It's also just
1: having more spaciousness and acceptance yeah. and
0: tolerance. That's what it's all about.
1: No, I think that uh, it's a very heavy start to this, but a very profound start, and it, it applies, like you said, no matter what walk of life you come from and how much bank balance you know, uh, you know, you have or you can write a big check. But I think everybody deals with these problems on a relative note, and, and you're right. I mean, this pandemic, uh, I'm, I'm one of the lucky, you know, lucky ones. I have a job and I can still continue to work from home, but I miss I miss the traffic. I mean, <laughs> I used to spend anywhere from two and a half to three hours commuting from Lowell mass to framing a master, my day job. And a lot of times I would be stuck in rain, listening to a podcast, making a phone call. And, and I don't think those, those were ideal conditions. I'd rather be home. Like most people do like 30 minute commute. But uh, I, I do think I miss that in some space because, you know, life has taken this toll. I'm very lucky. I'm fortunate that everybody around me is healthy, but it's very monotonous. You know, it's uh you, you have to have cut, cut down ties to, in order to be safe and, and similarly, you know, I just don't want to dwell too much on what I'm going through, but I would just like to add like what you said on Monfils. I mean, public figures, we judge them with a different threshold and, and we are all quick. I'm not blaming anyone. I also judge celebrities I like or dislike. And, you know, we are quick to arrive at a conclusion. And I remember, I think it was in the US Open and Monfils uh, had his entourage and he said something, there was a tweet that after reaching the third round, uh, you know, the check would basically what he earned from US Open would even out the expense that he's carrying for his team. And, you know, a lot can happen between now and then and that's why we don't realize that tweet was funny and just talking about the, his his expenses, again, four or five months removed and now he's having this emotional moment with the press. So I think, yeah, you captured it much better than me. I enjoyed listening to the responses kind of, uh, you know, it's profound and, and I think everybody, uh, should reflect. But this is, again, not an exercise to reflect. We can move on and talk about some tennis. So I would like to just, uh, you know, give a shout-out to my own podcast with Amil Roussevori uh, from the tournament Noor Sultan uh, last year. Uh, he's been on my radar since Damien Koos came to the podcast. Uh, I thought he was one of the big names that made a big transition from the Challenger Tour to the Main Tour. He only played two Challenger year, uh, events last year because he was either in Main Draws or Qualies. Uh, Played all three majors last year. Couldn't qualify for Australian Open. Uh, won his first match, I think, at US Open. Uh, and now here he is. When I talked to him, he sounded very com- confident. He has goal at top 100, which he achieved. He wanted to stay there and make inroads. And a great, great start. Uh, taking on an emotionally, you know, compromised mom face. in a f- fifth set match is still no easy task for a youngster. So I was following that match, uh, you know, throughout a lot of matches, uh, you know, s- switching through the channels and, it was very interesting how you know they both were having their own battle in the fifth set. Momfis looked like wasn't happy when Rusevori called for the trainer. Uh, let's see how Rusevori advances this tournament. Uh, definitely, you know, there's an edge that has come off that match after the Momfis press conference. But full credit to the young, you know, Finnish guy, you know, who's who, who we'll hear a lot about uh, in the coming months. Uh, so on that note, this is a short podcast we're trying to do. What are some of the matches, Matt, today that are on your radar? And if you want to make a prediction or some matches that are like upset alerts or could go the distance, you know, pick pick any category uh, out of my question and question and try to, you know, answer it, you know, in, in your way uh, in terms of the draw sheet.
0: Sure. Let's just uh, briefly mention some ma- matches of note uh, for day two, Sakib. Uh, Victoria Azarenka against Jessica Pegula uh you know fully expect uh, Azarenka to win in straight sets but Pegula can be dangerous at times uh, so you know maybe the first set will be like a 7-5 set uh, Azarenka might get pushed and you know so uh, kind of expecting like a 7-5 6-2 win but let's see if the first set becomes a little bit interesting there and we have uh Kristina against Maria Sakkari mm, that's, that's a very a interesting yep. that's a very interesting first round match Contivate Sasnovich that could get very interesting um you know uh, juvon against kanta that's an upset alert right there um you know kanta the clear favorite but juvon can play some ball now sorry, at wimbledon gives serena uh, a tough time um so that that's a very interesting match you have putz putitsva against sloan stevens that 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 could be a popcorn match um so lot, lots of interesting matches on the women's side and then on the men um the first match that immediately comes to mind is Guido Peya against Borna Chorich and as we talk it's Chorich 5-2 in the first set that's live um, mm-hmm. but that that was that shaped up as an interesting little clash there in round one and then uh, later today Philippe Krajinovic against Robin Haas that could be a very interesting four or five setter uh, you have Goffin against Paparin that could get very interesting with Paparin as the Aussie playing on home soil um, Pospisil Medvedev I mean certainly would expect Medvedev to win but if Pospisil plays the way he's capable of playing, we've seen him play some great tennis uh, in recent years. Uh, that 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 could become very entertaining. Um, so that's a good start in terms of uh, what we have on offer on day two.
1: Yeah, I would like to add a few of my own. I think Anderson Berrettini is another good one, as Anderson's comeback continues. He's been plagued by you know a few. Physical ailments, as injuries, and now I think that's a big ask going against the inform Matteo Berrettini, and then uh, I think uh, Lauren Davis uh, is already a break up against Belinda Bencic by the time we release this. That could have been either finished or gone to a decisive set. So that's an interesting match. Uh, the most interesting match for me today, uh, not because of the tennis. Uh, of course, they play both. Uh, both play good tennis. Fabio Fonini and Hugh Herbert is the fact both are veterans. I was just looking at the stats. They have never played each other. So I'm very interested in how that plays out. Both are shot makers. Herbe can come to the net. Fonini again, the mercurial baseliner, uh, who who had a very difficult season again last year. I was looking at the numbers. He's 6-10. and 10. I believe that has to be one of the losing seasons, the possible only losing seasons he has had in a long time. And Herbe was barely 500, 10, 10. And this year again... Uh, to me, it's a 50-50 match. Even the Fonini is seated, anything can happen. So that's the match I'm going to be switching back and forth from the cricket tonight. To India is playing England, so you know my priorities have been kind of divided. But uh, this match definitely has my attention, and then the poprin Gofan match you pointed out, I think that can be a beauty because Paprin can play some lights-out tennis, and with the with the home crowd uh, in the stand, I think. And, uh, and and gafan i mean what do you make of gafan lately i mean again it's a difficult year for everyone uh, is he someone whose uh, whose ranking justifies his recent form have you paid attention uh, what do you what do you make of him well
0: you know at the start of a season i'm treating players as blank slates i mean i'm not looking at anything that happened in the run up to the australian open as an indicator for either how the australian open is going to go or how the season's going to go just in terms of Gofan, I mean, he's, he has gone through so many different peaks and valleys. You know, I watched him play in the uh, Phoenix challenger uh, a a year ago. You know, he was playing Carballes Baena in a, in a Phoenix challenger, uh, you know, after uh, losing early in Indian Wells. I mean, he went, he went to the bottom and he had to, you know, rediscover his game. Uh, last um, last year, I'm th- I'm I'm distorted by the pandemic. That was in 2019. But anyway, he was still playing challenger matches, uh, to, you know, to, just to kind of recover. Uh, and then, yet he was in the Wimbledon quarterfinals later that year in, in 2019. Played uh, Djokovic. So you know, he he has gone through so many different things. We remember the the leg getting caught under the tarp at Roland Garros, and he seemed to be rounding into a form. When that happened, it was such a devastating injury. We also remember him getting hit in the eye in yep. a Rotterdam match against Dimitrov. I mean, he has just had so many different Murphy's Law moments. You know, if anything can go wrong, it will. So, you know, with just with it's kind of waiting for the next calamity to happen, but it's not an, a verdict on his tennis. It's, it's a verdict on how much bad luck he's had. So we'll see if he can get a, cl- a clean reset in 2021.
1: Sure. And then, of course, there's Rafael Nadal. You know, uh, he's had a sore back, hasn't really uh, played any tennis. He was expected to uh, suit up for Spain in the ADP Cup. Uh, of course, it's not a serious injury. At least it seems like he's been practicing. So we'll get uh, our first look at uh, the 2009 champion uh, as well uh, today. I think later on when he, I think he's uh, number three on, on the on draw-liver arena, right? Uh, nadal against Laszlo jare of serbia yeah that match matches few hours away uh, by the time i think this podcast should be available for your uh listening um, anyone else matt you want to before we wrap this uh, small edition of uh, the daily show any anything else that you want to talk to the listeners here no that's pretty
0: good for me we're going to try and keep these short and sweet although uh, in week two when we get into quarterfinals and semifinals we might do more expansive uh editions but for now let's just uh wrap this up so that people can listen while they uh uh watch tennis and uh enjoy the first week of the australian open with all these matches exploding around us
1: all right that's the key word you know short and sweet so we don't take away from the actual tennis so this is sakib and matt signing off we'll be back with another short episode and again uh drop your feedback if you like this whole idea of you know c- communicating and podcasting throughout the fortnight bye for now